This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? Metcalf, I'm doing good. I'm really, really pumped about this one. Um, you know, I feel like we were, the moment we secured Mr. Rosen to get on this podcast, <laughs> we were we were pumped. We got a little extra pep in our step, so uh, I'm excited. Uh, how about yourself, Metcalf? How are we doing? I'm good. Just ha- having the best of time preparing for these grad school finals this week. Um, just <laughs> p- professors are super helpful as always. So no complaints in that realm. But more importantly, like you mentioned, uh, really excited for this episode's guest and this episode's topic because it's a guy that we really haven't talked much about because we kind of have no idea what he's going to do. But it kind of seems like we're approaching that time where we, we just we really need to dive in. So this week... Uh, like you mentioned, we're bringing on Jake Rosen. Very excited to have him. Contributor to the Stepien Cerebro Sports and the co-host of the Tag the Roll podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Jake in the Paint. Jake, how's it going? I'm doing great. As someone who is currently pondering the idea of, for some reason, putting myself through more years of school, uh, you got me ready to go already. <laughs> so I'm excited to be here. Uh, we talk a little bit off there real quick. Uh, Shaden, the, the player we're going to talk about, uh, very fun. Uh, so I'm really excited to be here. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I was excited when I got this invite. Uh, always fun to talk some hoops. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've always enjoyed your kind of coverage of prep ho- the prep hoop cycle and guys in EYBL and just leading up into college. Um, so bringing you on to talk about Shade and Sharp felt like a no brainer. So first, let's just, I just kind of want to start big picture. Um, Jake, what's kind of your elevator pitch? For Shaden Sharp, for those who haven't seen a second of him because he hasn't played a second in the last year. <laughs> uh, you're getting somebody who can put the ball in the basket. Uh, it has to start there. Three, I can't, I don't want to say two level score, gets to the rim and can explode with the best of them. A- incredible vertical athlete, super strong, has great body control around the rim, finished at I think it was 72% clip around the rim at, at the rim at UIBL, which is very impressive. And the shooting is really nuts. And he's on a pretty wild development curve. Wasn't necessarily a big time shooter early in his high school career, more off the ball where he could leverage those tools as a cutter, closeout attacker and such, and kind of jumped into this off ball or on ball roles, we should say head first and had massive success with you play first tile shot maker at step backs, pull-ups, maybe a little bit to a fault sometimes. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but the elevator pitch has to start with someone who's going to score the heck out of the basketball. Rucker, when you dove in on Sharp's film and you're doing all your prep for this, what, what really stood out to you at first with him? You know, the athleticism right away just like makes you like, Mm -hmm. okay, all right. I'm buying into that at the NBA. Like, um, you, you quickly understand why there's all of a sudden buzz. Like he hasn't played a game, um, enrolled in Kentucky in the middle of the year. And 
is still getting buzzed as a potential top six, top seven pick. And it doesn't take long to see why, because he just jumps out of the gym. He's got good size around six, six. Um, but the shot really impressed me. You, you know, it, it is smooth. It's fluid. It, it looks potentially dangerous. So yeah, you get you get really excited in a hurry when you start seeing all the tools flash and you're like, okay, I understand why NBA scouts, NBA personnel can really be intrigued with this guy because he's fun. Um, there's probably a lot of areas we're going to talk about, the three of us, but um, that he's going to need to work on. But it's you get it. There's the raw upside that you really want to invest in. So w- when I really started my sharp deep dive um i kind of started with the dream city film where he mostly played as kind of that off ball cutter um and got score in in transition with the occasional flash of on ball creation and then i dove into the you play film and then that's where the on ball stuff really started to pop it's like holy shit okay now now we're talking about this is the guy who people are thinking about as a top five prospect because now we're seeing that on ball creation that shooting that versatility that he didn't necessarily consistently show at dream city. So Jake, um, as he kind of progresses through his career, whether it's at Kentucky next year or in the NBA, do you think he's going to be more of that off ball scorer who can have a little bit of on ball juice, or do you think he eventually develops into one of these kind of on ball primary scoring wings? I, I, I'm trying now because I've been burned by it before to (laughs) stay away from the on and off ball distinctions. And just, you know, I think, Shane's going to be someone who can do both. And, and ideally there's a couple other guards in the 2023 class uh, who can do this. Nick Smith is one of these guys as well. And who can go on and off the ball. What I really love about Shaden's off ball um, projection is that I really think he's going to shoot it at an extremely high level. And the, the on ball shooting versatility is already there to a ridiculous extent kind of, and we can kind of quibble with his shot selection, his process. And I'm sure we will. Uh, I personally have some reservations, but the results are there. And he shot it at a ridiculously efficient clip from UIBL standards, especially when you consider the shots he was taking and making. It's just really nuts. Uh, And I think the idea of employing that off the catch where he can use that same footwork to swing into, whether it's off a pin down or giving him a DHO or all, all these actions where you can employ big time off ball shooters, you can throw him in there. And then also you can't run him off the line because if he gets downhill, then you're dealing with that vertical explosion. So obviously it's not that simple where there's just like no way to guard him, but I do think he's best suited to do a little bit of both because as you've seen, and we're going to talk about this, he does have some on-ball limitations that go beyond the straight up decision-making and process, which we'll need to improve. I'm not the biggest fan of his burst, which is really interesting considering how he gets up and he like, really gets up when he's at the rim however he ends up getting walled off uh, a decent a bit and i think when you contrast that to someone like a jalen green or Jaden ivy i think he's in this echelon of players these extremely athletic combo guards who are budding with skill and starting to refine stuff around the edges i think he's some he's ahead of them in certain areas but then behind them in others and an area he's behind someone like two of those guys and maybe even someone like anthony edwards is just the ability to create advantages from a standstill whenever, wherever on the court. And that's something I wanted to see a little bit more of him and is probably one of my bigger hesitations to projecting him into a heavy on-ball usage. But of course, super young and still has time to grow. I, I'm really glad that you brought up that the the kind of weirdness with his athleticism because in yeah. the open court, it's obvious when he's out in transition <laughs> and he's you know, his eyes are on the rim or when he's cutting baseline out of the corner and finishing with that backdoor lob, it's like, okay, yeah, this guy can leap. But then when it's really condensed in the half court, I feel like that's where that explosiveness 
kind of gets mitigated and he doesn't, it feels like a lot of two foot leaping where it's not, he really has to load up into it. And when he's faced with that, you know, that wall or that, that immediate defender in his way, we don't see as much of it. Um, Rucker, I think his athleticism is pretty evident, but do do you have any concerns in that realm where it's, it seems like there's a pretty big disparity in how he uses it in the open court versus half court. Yeah, it's actually, I'm glad Jake brought up the, uh, like how he gets walled off because that really stood out to me too. Cause it's, it's confusing and, and weird. And, and I almost like kind of also like it in a, I promise I'll try to make sense about this, but um, <laughs> like his first gear, when he wants to get somewhere with the ball in his hand in a half court, like, he can he can get somewhere quick, but he also can get walled off. And then sometimes he has like the good recognition to where he like backs it up and kind of sets that person up. Like, okay, you stopped me again, but now I'm going to make you react. And then he goes at it again and can blow, blow by guys. But, you know, you could see the rawness. You, you could still see he's trying to figure out like his counters, try to kind of adapt to when he gets that first look stopped. Um the, the two foot leaping is definitely a good point because you really do see like he needs to be this load up guy. Cause when he's in the open floor in transition, it's just like, hold your breath and he can jump almost to the top of backboard. He jumps out of the roof, but um, he's definitely looks like a guy that still is trying to kind of get his feel, figure out like how to best be a weapon in the half court because he has the athleticism. He can be a lob threat. Um, I'm really intrigued with, the on-ball creation, I, I left watching that film like, okay, there's some fun stuff that's brewing. So, um, yeah, I mean, transition guy is going to make you drool. But I, yeah. I still think, like, when you have that elite athleticism in high school, you also need to figure out how to make it work in the half court. And I think he's still just just learning. You know, he's young. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a couple of, if I could just butter yeah. in real quick. Yeah, there, yeah, there were. There were a couple points that I wanted to just make about the on-ball stuff. One, starting with, I, I, you always need to look at, and this is something I've really had to check myself on over the years, is what type of defenses are guys attacking? Like, are they attacking a defense that is completely set? Is their defender moving side to side? Are they tilted at all? And Shaden Sharp attacked basically all set defenses. Uh, let's just say organization you play didn't necessarily do many favors as a ball handler. And no part of that is he has a learning curve to act quickly and swiftly. And there were plenty of times in the film where you see him just being a step late processing, which then causes him to back the ball out. And then we need to do this whole song and dance again, rather just like go dude, rip and get downhill. And yes. like, that's a different story, more processing wise, but in terms of the creation situations he was placed in and the results that he was still able to put like his scoring output on was like really freaking impressive considering the shots he was taking the efficiency and just the sheer production i do want to see or i don't know when the next time we see him play whenever that may be i would like to see some more downhill counters where he gets walled off and then hits him with a wraparound or gets downhill and can spin and then get into a one two and leap right off right now he's very comfortable with his counters going backwards and like these step back side steps and that's totally cool and all and like i have probably seven clips titled shade in walled off step back and like (laughs) they're money and that is a very difficult shot and by no means am I here to dispute that, and I think there you can. I'm willing to extrapolate that shooting ability into something pretty, like pretty much bigger than that. Because 
I mean, I think I was talking about this with someone today because I kind of posed the question. There are a lot of similarities. It's hard. Uh, it's, it's hard not to see like a Jalen Green esque type I was of literally usage. just gonna say. That. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And and I don't. And it's not necessarily like comps. Like uh, this isn't necessarily. Like, I'm putting a certain label on him for being a comp. Like Shaden was the number one player in the country and dominated the UIBL. Like I'm pretty confident saying he's a damn good pre college player. But Jalen. I mean, Jalen obviously made a ton of strides from his senior summer to his senior year as a shooter. Jalen's made those strides. Now, the difference is Jalen was a much different uh, – Jalen's first step was wicked, and he right. covered much more ground, and he it was instant. He got downhill whenever he wanted, and the slashing was much more apparent in Jalen's UIBL tape, but the shooting – uh, Shaden's further along at the same stage. Uh, so that's just like an interesting development to me. And kind of, I would like to gauge people as it's, Hey, what are you betting on improving? Like, are you going to roll with these tools? And Jalen Green's rapid progression as a shot maker with the balance, the form, the counters, the footwork, all of it. Or are you going to kind of take what's here which Shaden for in his own right is also made a ton of strides as a handler and as, as a shot creator, but the burst isn't necessarily to that like S tier Aunt Edwards, maybe Jaden Ivy, in my opinion, uh, of that first step. Uh, so I think Shaden has some issues there, but I think his off ball and scalability is probably a little better than some people are talking about. But I can see why, given the context and how he was used in the UIPL, it's just it's pretty complicated, honestly. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you brought there that you mentioned how most of his like combo moves are for him creating space either laterally or backwards. And that, yeah. that was kind of my big takeaway with his kind of on ball creation stuff where he's not necessarily creating a ton of space on his step backs and stuff, but the foundation for someone to do that at you know, long-term and develop, I think is definitely there. And the way he strings together combo moves, it's just really fluid. And that shooting form is absolutely gorgeous. And I really buy yeah. it long-term, especially off the dribble. I think the off the catch stuff is obvious in, on its own, but I, I expect that step back to, you know, really prolong and, you know, ex- extend in range. What kind of concerned me was that he never combined those going downhill and at least the, 10 to 15 games that I went through all of his drives were pretty much just straight line. He had the occasional, you know, behind the back to let the guy go past him, and then he would finish, but it wasn't that wiggle though. It wasn't that elite first step. Like you mentioned with Jalen green or Anthony Edwards. So Rucker, did you kind of see a similar thing? Um, Do you have any worries about his ability to really pressure the rim when he isn't either attacking off cuts or in transition? Um, you know, it's just funny, the whole time Jake was talking, like Jalen Green, the name just popped <laughs> yeah, in my head. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, we're talking about Jalen Green last year. Like, this is exactly the it's same. It's a very similar path. evaluation. Yeah, so that that was the thing about, you know, Jalen Green. And, you know, I know Jake knows from watching him in like high school and stuff, but it was like, I always have these things with high school guys that are really, really elite athletes is you can get by on that, but when you're taking that next step to the next level of competition, you got to figure out something else. Cause you can't just be a straight line guy. You can't have one go-to move because when you have that go-to move and an NBA team figures it out, the whole league figures it out because it's a copycat league. And that, that gets around fast with coaches, scouts. So I think, you know, Shaden is going to be in that same situation where he's going to, He's going to need playing time. Um, if he does enter the draft, he's going to need some run. He's going to need to figure this out, get get the wrinkles, get the kinks out. So we saw that with Jalen Green this year. Like he went to a great situation that could 
afford to play him, let him go through the growing pains. And now we're seeing this absolutely sensational second half of the year for him, but he's figured it out. He's figured out, I got to have some counters. I got to have some, you know, patience and not get frustrated. So I'm just, I guess I, I was interested to have Jake on this because I'm like, do we think this guy is going to be ready? Does he, does he need to almost weirdly be this lottery pick? That's like, we need to put you in the G league for a while just so you can get some run. Or does he need to go to a team that's like, we don't care. Your upside so high, just play. We're going to get you some run, let you learn as you go. Cause it, it's, it's the really fascinating like storyline to, to monitor moving forward. Yeah. I think it's, it would be really interesting to hear what teams towards the top of the draft would have for their initial plans for him. I mean, I've so did you guys catch the border league stuff? He it was like two games with Dream uh, with Dream City Christian. Uh, it was like the most recent basketball he played. He seemed somewhat disengaged. It wasn't mm-hmm. it, they. Milos Uzan, their guard, who I really like going to Oklahoma, was on the ball most of the time. Uh, Shane like had the game where he, I think he might have called the lob you were referencing, but again, he wasn't necessarily like making a loud impact on the game mm-hmm. and the competition was pretty casual like you had the high school okay was in their practice jerseys gorman was in their practice jerseys like nothing crazy and uibl at that point when shane's gonna get drafted is 12 months from summer league to last year's uibl is pretty much an entire calendar year so we're talking about 12 months of no live reps yeah since the border league like that's really unique and different i don't know if i don't know how i would go about it Maybe if you would force me to take a choice, I would probably just send him straight to the league and not necessarily throw him into the fire. I'd let him work off ball a little bit, let him learn how to pick his spots, but getting acclimated against guys with similar athleticism, same similar frame. He is young, but st- it's not like he's super scrawny or skinny and needs to put on a ton of weight. But yeah, that's definitely going to be a very interesting thing to track. He's one person I'm going to be super patient with. Like it might not be yeah. like Jalen put it, was able to put together your end of year one for Shaden. It could be a, all-star break year two, end of year two, just of the amount of live reps he's lost. I don't think that probably gets talked about enough. And I'm not really looking forward to the rookie year discourse where he's likely <laughs> shooting like 35%. Like, yes, exactly. Really, We're not. Everyone's I don't really care. Yeah, like I don't really care. He's like going from his, fir- his first reps up against 17U EYBL kids to uh, like going up against Rudy Gobert and drop coverage. Like I'm sure he's going to struggle. Yeah, I-, I can. I'm pretty confident in that. But it- it's going to be a super fascinating case study. I Part of me really want him to play for Kentucky, uh, yeah, especially yeah, alongside Kaysen. Uh, but again, if you're being mocked as top seven <laughs> pick, you go, uh, in my opinion, at least. I'm still rooting for him to go back, but I agree. <laughs> if you're going to the top 10 without playing a second, like you should probably yeah. go get it. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so the the way we've kind of talked about Shaden is that he, he kind of really started off as this really awesome off-ball scorer and has slowly developed these on-ball reps that are really encouraging for him to be a primary guy. Um, you know, when I feel like we talk about Jaden Ivy, Jaden Ivy's development in that kind of similar realm, and I know this has kind of been a played-out comp that I've used between Zach Levine and Devin Booker being thrown into the fire in that situation in the NBA where they're on these crap teams early, but they're giving all these on-ball reps to really, you know, work through things and figure things out and expand their game, even though that's not going to be their long-term role on offense. So Rucker, do you see something similar for Sharp as kind of best course of action, or do you think just kind of slow playing it, use that off-ball scoring, that off-ball athleticism with the occasional on-ball stuff would be kind of better suited for him? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, with a young guy like that, that's going to be so raw. I, I think Jake was spot on when he was talking about. I think a good plan would be like, hey, maybe you bring him off the bench and just let him get some some quick little minutes just to get his feet wet. Like, keep building that confidence because we know confidence is the biggest thing for a young player that's trying to develop in the league. And you know, I, I wouldn't throw him to the wolves right away because it's going to be a rude awakening because you can just see like. A year of not having any live reps is a humongous deal. And I know there's yeah. rumbling. Oh, he was participating in Kentucky practice, but like he's still, it's going to be like a, a wake up call going from, you know, EYBL to all of a sudden NBA veterans and stuff playing against them. So I would just be trying to be like, okay, what can we do to, to give him some early success? Like whether it's playing him off the ball, letting him kind of be this catch and shoot guy getting a couple dunks, maybe he gets a couple plays in transition. And, and then you're like, okay, let's, he's got some confidence brewing. Let's take him out, let him learn and then move forward from there. Cause it's like Jake said, it, it's going to be a long developmental process for him. But if it hits like, whew, that is going to be a fun piece that's brewing in the NBA, excuse me. And if he does end up having the ball as much as we kind of hope or think or expect him to, you know, the scoring is obviously a must, but then to counter that and not just be a one-dimensional player, he's got to be able to move the ball too. And Jake, I'm, I'm curious where you're at with his passing because when I watched him, I wasn't overwhelmed by his playmaking or anything, but I thought he moved the ball well. I thought he used his gravity decently to set up cutters or outside shooters and was able to just kind of make the easier smart read. So w- where are you with his um, passing? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it gets the job done. Uh, I I think he's gonna. He showed the ability to make quick reads in a timely fashion, which I liked. It, it, you're gonna see botch coverages, especially running an empty side pick and roll in UIBL. There is gonna be no tag man, but there are a lot of people who take one extra dribble and then the window closes. I like he was able to hit the window quick. He even hit a really weirdly nice Lamelo ball esque kick ahead in transition in the game I watched yeah. today. I don't know if you ended yes, up catching yeah. that one. Yes. Yeah. I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, that was that was really fun though. And that game against Mean Treats was probably the best playmaking game i've seen from him he played a really good pace in the pick and roll i there he has a lot of areas to, of improvement though because as i mentioned like right now he's essentially a two-level scorer like he's getting all the way to the rim or it's from three and i think as he it's a, an, again someone like Jaden ivy the, one of the bigger in-season adjustments for him is learning how to play in the in-between area taking what the defense gives you getting to that mid-range pull-up getting to the floater even though if it's not quote-unquote the most efficient shot learning how to pressure the defense and make them respect you at all three levels to then open up the lob or open up a kick out and i think Shaden, as you said he capitalizes his gravity when he's able to get downhill he's able to make a kick out and when defenses like you you're gonna have to get to the level because the three-point shooting the pull-up is real uh, so i think that'll be I think he'll always be someone who plays off his gravity, but we're seeing a ton of those guys be very successful as playmakers, especially the big-time scorers who can get it off the bounce. So to just kind of wrap up his offense, is there anything that you're really worried about with his offense that you just think will be a huge struggle for him as he you know, just acclimates to the NBA? I I wouldn't say I'm totally worried. Like I think we are looking at a potential offensive superstar, and if he's going to be a high-end outcome player, it's damn sure going to be because of his offense and not his defense. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we'll my that. biggest, my biggest areas for improvement, I would say is that it, in between area, take a couple of mid range pull-ups. I haven't, I 
didn't watch 10 to 15 games, but I watched a bunch over the summer and I watched a bunch in the past couple of days and I did not see him attempt a floater if my memory serves me correct. So just learning how to be a guard and play with pace. There are flashes and he's experimenting with things, I, I, but that was one of the bigger improvements for Jalen Green in his G League season. Learning how to play with pace as a ball handler, not just being on go all the time and just throwing yourself downhill. That's something Ivy has also gotten so much better with this year. And as much as I'm saying shading go-go, like I think that could be something that is easier to get your feet under and improve at the college level than the NBA level. It's probably true. Uh, is it worth potentially costing yourself falling outside top 10? That's for his family to discuss. And I'm not counting on anyone else's pockets, but like that is probably true. And I just think getting to that three levels as a scorer to then open up and play with some real pace as a handler and just again, improving on those counters, but I really don't have any issues with the shooting. I think it's extremely high level yeah. the off the dribble stuff was absolutely nuclear. I think he's going to be able to scale off the ball. Uh, I've heard uh, from people I've talked to that have watched him early, even earlier than I have that he earlier in his high school career, before he was really on the ball, he was known as like a good cutter who could use his tools to then catch and leap and finish, which was encouraging to hear. But I, maybe I'm going to even circle back to some of that because I try to watch every second the kids played because we don't really have that much on our hands. But it, I don't really have any issues with the finishing. I know we talked about like, I don't really, it, the two foot leaping thing, it doesn't really concern me that much. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big thing with Ja. And it's just like not materialized to hinder yeah. him at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I would say I'm more worried about him consistently getting there based on the first step issues and then ha- potential handling improvements. But when he's there, I, I'm very confident in him. Before we started recording, Rucker, uh, we, we, we hinted at um, being perplexed by his defense, let's say. Um, <laughs> So after after first watching and diving in, what just what what's your general overview with his defense? I, I mean, I me and Metcalf have talked about this before, so I have to say it again. I have to give a disclaimer. Like I always get, I'm always cautious with high school defenders, especially when they're like the guy, um, the elite athlete, because I do think like you can get comfortable. You, you can also be like, oh, I could just turn it on and, and catch up to this guy or, you know, I can move better than anyone. I'm a better athlete. So I don't want to be too strict with his defensive evaluation. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of work. Um, I think it's just kind of like fundamentals or like, I kind of think of him as like the gambling man. You, you see, he tries to kind of you know, jump lanes or, or make these risks to, to get out in transition and throw down a big slam. And, and I get it, but he's definitely going to have to be a little bit more patient and he's got to work to, to keep guys in front of him. Cause sometimes guys can just get by him. Um, I think it's just like, he's going to have to have like that wake up call of being like, okay, I'm playing against much quicker, bigger guys. And, and I better, I better turn it up or I'm not going to be able to stick on the court. So a young talent that, you know, was the guy, was the star. I still think, like, he can grow into that. That that could be a very quick learning curve of, like, I better D up or I am going to be in trouble. So, yeah, I'm trying to be polite. So, there you go. I was, well, I was even going to say, I, I think he needs that learning curve to completely just not tag the role at all. <laughs> and then his coach, like, yeah, right here. Right here, yeah, right. because like there were times during the you play games where I wished his coach would sell him out so badly, yes. but obviously I'm not going to do that if I am you play's coach <laughs> and I have Shaden Sharp in the UIBL. However, 
would it have been a good learning curve to be like, dude, at least try to tag, yeah. like at least try to swipe. And he's just like, I the text I sent to someone was like, if I told you Shaden viewed team responsibilities as optional, I would be way too kind. <laughs> and like, it's true. And, but I, I'm saying all this, I'm comfortable saying all this because, and Mark and I just had a, an interesting conversation on our podcast as regards to Paulo and his defense. And mm-hmm. Paulo's and his defense is a much different conversation because Paulo has long been known in the high school ranks as like a high feel plus low man and secondary room protector. That is not the vibe I've ever gotten from Shaden. Uh, so that's very no. different. However, like guard defense is guard defense. And I think, well, I think point of attack defense has become underrated and team defense is wildly important. Shaden represents neither of those skills at the moment. I'm not, I'm not drafting Shane Sharp to play defense. Like right. I'm going to yeah. keep it that clear. Like I am drafting Shane Sharp because I see a potential offensive nuclear guard who can play on and off the ball and ideally scale with my creator or potentially become my creator. And if he hits that, like we'll deal with the, rotations later and like we'll deal with his defensive motor later and it was sort of the thing we had with paul i've said with ivy like in the nicest way possible like i kind of don't really care like and i I don't want to feel like i'm totally brushing off the side of the ball because you have to play two sides and we know that in the nba especially in the playoffs you match up hunting whatever schemes like and teams are going to scheme shade in to be the low man and it's going to be a disaster and it happens like there's no unavoidable way to do this However, I am personally not in the business of passing up on potential offensive stars because their AAU defense was terrible. Like, that's just not something I'm going right. to do. We can be very honest with his defense. It's terrible. And yeah. he looked like he didn't care and had no regard for it. But I'm also just going to say, like, it probably makes no difference in where I draft him, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, no, I I completely agree from that standpoint where you're you're not drafting him for this two way wing necessarily. You're drafting him yeah. because he could be this offensive supernova. But God, when I when I get so frustrated when I watch wings <laughs> who are that athletic and give that little fucks about trying at all on defense, and I my, my notes for his off ball stuff is just brutal in all caps. And there's so much ball watching. There's so much just getting lost in space. He looks like he's never navigated a screen successfully um, in his life. And Rucker, I want to throw this to you. Do you think there, or how easily do you think some of this can be corrected? Because when watching him, it reminded me a lot of Anthony Edwards at Georgia. I was where, say, uh, yes. Uh, may I interest was... you in the Ant Man? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. what I was just going to say. <laughs> With Metcalf being a Timberwolves fan, he's he would buy another Ant Man right now. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> but the, but then this year it's been completely different with Ant. Yeah, there's these huge fuck ups here and there, but he's turned into a much more effective defensive playmaker. The rotations are better. The kind of on ball intensity is better. So how, how likely or feasible do you think that is from Sharp? You know, I think Jake was spot on. And I really do believe this. Like you just need these guys. We, and he talked about like Paulo Ivy. You need these guys to be you know, respectable to where it's like, you can leave them on the court. You, you Like, even if it's just getting to a point where they're like an average defender would be unbelievable for all of them. Like where it's like, they're not getting hunted. Um, you don't have to take them out because they're just like getting torn apart or, or lapses in team defense. So I think like he can get there. Um, 
it'll be funny because like if he goes to the team and doesn't play defense or try at all, like a coach will be like, yeah, get off. Like it's not going to work here. But, um, you know, I think it, it, you could definitely get to a point where it's like, we know teams are going to probably go at him, but we can get him to be a team defender where he's like helping out in the right situations, understanding to be on the floor. Cause Ant-Man's a great example that you brought up. Like him at Georgia, there was definitely some times where I was like, man, he looks like he could be a beast defensively if he just like understood and, and really zoned in on it. And I don't think I'm ever going to say like, he's going to be one of the top defenders in the NBA, but like you see how good he is offensively that it kind of almost, I guess, hides if you want to use that word, but like hides like your concern about his defense because he has times where he can hold his own or do more, but there's also the lapses that you're hitting on. And I think Sharp will probably get to that point where, like, his frame, his his explosiveness, like, it could pair well to help him out and, and get to that average spot, and he'll be fine, I think. It, it's just going to be this long road of development. Yeah, the one thing I will say is you in the NBA, you need the superstars. You need the shot yes. creators. You need the create. Like, and I'm not saying we've all spent 30 minutes talking about how Shaden has limitations as a standstill creator, but I think there is very much low-hanging fruit to employ him as a combo who you can leverage the shooting versatility on and off the ball. You can attack in spurts. If the mm-hmm. burst and handle or one of the two improve, we could be looking at more downhill rim attempts. There, This is a offensive like really impressive offensive prospect. See, and the thing, the difference is like, I'm thinking back to 2020 when I had Devin Vassell in like the five to six range. Vassell was never going to be the star of your team, but you hoped he could achieve like a Macau Bridges type of out, uh, yes. outcome where you're the best third best player in the league or the best fourth best player in the league. You two-way wing who can create a little bit off the bounce space the floor, budding creation game, playoff superstars, plug and play anywhere. And that's like what you're getting at with someone like Vassell. And it's just funny. You have someone like Shaden in the same range. And while I spent the time talking about, yeah, I don't really care about Shaden's defense. The reason I don't care about that is because I think he is a, not a, I don't, I don't want to say good bet in terms of like odds wise, but in terms of the prospects that we have and the prospects that we've seen, the tools, shot making, uh, quick development over a short period of time that's those that's a good bet for a high-end offensive player the problem with the defense is if he doesn't hit that high-end outcome shoot for the stars so if you fall you land on the moon i don't know what the moon looks like for shade because the two-way stuff it's you don't have a ton to fall back on and then you kind of become that microwave journeyman off the bench and i'm like it's just interesting to consider all these outcomes in terms of where you draft players across years or even within the same class. Like there are guys in this class who don't have the high end outcome of Shaden, but undoubtedly, you know, two way upside. And I don't know, I'm kind of going a little tangent here, but I would kind of just want to say like the reason I'm really into Shaden is because I think the bet is pretty worthwhile in terms of what you could get from a tools, skills and development output in Probably, I think a short term, honestly. Well, just first off, we fully support tangents as yes. two people who, <laughs> who frequently yes. go on them. Um, yes. So you, you feel comfortable with that bet, but you know all these guys are obviously bets, and you know there isn't a precise range of outcomes for them. But how vast do you think that is, and at what level would you be willing to make that bet? I just looking at the class right now, like I, I'm pretty comfortable with Shaden at five. I would probably take him 
after the initial group. Um, could maybe even push higher, honestly, if I kind of go through all the YBL stuff and like what I see and see some more handling. Uh, the shooting is just, like, I don't want to underestimate that shooting at all. Um, it's absolutely nuclear from some yeah. guy, some, from someone who has a run, who has a run and jump profile like he does. And obviously there are some warts in the half court. I wish he was Jaden Ivy just gutting wherever, whenever. And I'll quibble with that and decide how much it ultimately matters. But I really don't want to underestimate that shooting. Uh, it's hard to run perspective. And I think we're going to probably attempt to run something in three row. And just to like contextualize this, I know it's something I'm really interested in. If he does end up staying in the volume and efficiency, and then stacked up with, I'm sure the other players who would check those thresholds and the type of shots they're taking 36% in that context is absolutely scorching uh, con- like compared to other EYBL guys and the type of shots he's consistently taking and making is pretty nuts. And I just don't want to underestimate that considering that's, that was like a newly added facet of his game, which kind of signals where he's at development wise. So that's why I'm super high on him. I'm, I'm very like, I always say good thing. I wasn't doing draft work in 2017 because i would have taken i would have had malik monk like third overall like i thought he was a superstar <laughs> like absolute superstar you could not tell middle school me or ninth grade me like different i thought he was a star and then you see that like the low end outcomes and i'm someone who also usually believes in like high ceiling high floor and your high ceiling gives you x amount of outcomes to also make an impact Shaden could be the exception here just because he is so reliant on just volume scoring without that two, that second side impact with the, on the defense. I do think it's a little different because he's scalable. It's a little different than someone like Sharif, who I loved, who like you're you're going to want to really be on the ball. I think Shaden can scale off a little bit. But yeah, you're betting on him to hit that offensive outcome at, at a pretty high level. And, and the, the, the thing we and you kind of just keep going back to is just how much we buy in on that shooting and someone who all season we've we keep hearing about everyone buying in on the shooting is AJ Griffin so when you kind of compare and contrast those two um kind of how do you differentiate Sharp from someone like Griffin where obviously we've the the role that we last saw Sharp in is vastly different than the role that we just saw AJ in yeah, very different roles. Uh, it's probably yeah. not as different as you could get, honestly. Uh, two different types of athletes inside the arc, at, especially at the rim. And AJ, I'm, I, I really like AJ, and I actually really like the role that AJ was put in this year, which is play through your jumper, spot up, pick your spots, come off some pin downs, and get a curl downhill. Don't do too much. Don't play with your food. This is all stuff you massively struggle with in high school. Just keep it simple. Less is more. Uh, case same for goes for him, Paul. I've been preaching it all year. Keep it simple and stick to one to two dribble stuff. Shaden, on the other hand, was like the complete opposite of that. But their shooting is really different is that AJ has flashes of those like step backs or sidesteps, but I I just don't really envision him being able to pressure the rim or or just even pressure the second layer of defense in a way that I think Shaden will ultimately be able to do, especially in ball screens or off of like, just simple actions off the ball where you can kind of get the defense tilting a little bit. And I think Shaden can like eat, get that half a step and eat up the space super quick and get downhill and then explode. AJ doesn't explode like that. Um, He's super strong and he has great touch and he's way more polished as a mid range shooter right now. And is much more comfortable getting to spots there, but especially I I look at it at the rim and just in terms of creation load, I also think Shaden's a better passer, but um, different, 
players. I, I definitely see Shaden as a combo and AJ Moore as an off ball wing, which is totally fine. But I, I think the biggest difference for me would be the rim pressure and um, just self creation volume potential. All right, Rucker, we, we know where Jake is kind of viewing um, Sharp in this draft. And I, I, I want to get a firmer sense on wh- where you have him. So just who would, between Sharp and these guys, who would you take? So, Oh, gosh, uh, you're really so throwing I, this at me. Yeah, <laughs> come on, yeah. Yeah. bring the heat. Okay. So I, I'm just going to kind of start towards further towards the back of the lottery. Uh, sharp or Suhan? Sharp. Igbaji? Sharp. Another super young prospect, uh, Jalen Duran. Uh, uh, sharp. But it, that that gap is more narrow now that I've watched way more Duran, but sharp. A- AJ Griffin. Uh, sharp. Okay, now now I'm gonna yeah. now now I'm gonna play with your heartstrings. <laughs> you don't want to uh, do this. I know where you're going, <laughs> and you do not want to hear this answer. Matherin. Oh boy, sharp, Murray. Oh, gosh, that <laughs> oh Murray, I don't even think about it, Jake. I'm sorry, I'm like a diehard Murray supporter, so Metcalf knew exactly what he was doing. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I'm just buying. Here's my hot take about Sharp, and, and it's it's going off of what Jake said because I really do agree. Like, he's not a three level scorer yet, but the two levels he has are really damn important, and fit really well with his skill set like he, he can pressure the rim his shot's gorgeous like i know we keep saying like we're not underestimating it it is beautiful it's really smooth it looks like it's going to be a serious weapon um I, I think like having those two and maybe i'm wrong and people think differently about this but like i think having those two levels where you can almost be elite at those levels like you can figure out the middle of the game like he's gonna have some more spacing and when things slow down and he understands like, okay, now I can have this room to create and pull up jumpers and, and get after the mid range. Like that will come with time. But I, I just am buying like, Oh man, if things click, this is a superstar offensively. Like he has that ceiling where it's just like, yeah. this could be so damn dangerous for a team. And I really think that's where it's like, when you get out of the top three, someone's going to buy it. Like someone's going to be falling in love. And, and I know we've joked, like this might be Sam Presti just like pacing in the middle of the night. Like, Oh, just give me one shot, you know? But um, I, I just really like the more I watch him, like the shot just keeps impressing me. Cause I'm like, man, it's just beautiful. And he has those tools. Like he almost gives me weird, like Gerald green high school vibes where it's just like crazy leaper, very smooth, but um the shot just really does like stand out and, and you really want to buy in. So um, I appreciate you trying to throw the Keegan Murray curveball at me in the path, <laughs> but not today, my friend. You guys want to talk real quick. Cause I think we kind of glossed over it in the beginning, his decision-making and process as a scorer on the ball. It w- yes, because- of course, Jake, come on. We're friends here. You can talk about anything you want. <laughs> this is probably the aspect that I wish we had another year of college basketball, like for his sample, because I need to see it. You know, it's, it's, it seems very premeditated. It seems rudimentary. It seems, it's just simple. And it's just like, he, I think he comes with the course, like, yeah, I'm taking the sidestep and like, there's nothing you can do about it. 
but I'm gonna I'm still gonna take it. And while I would love to him to have that in his bag, and that's why the clips of him getting walled off and then stepping back. Yes, well, I would love him to not get walled off as much as he does. The fact that that's like an instant counter and he's damn good at it and the footwork is there and the balance yes. is there. I love that. Like he's using that step back when it's functional. The stuff that kills me and wants me to like, like once I want to punch my computer screen is when he has a switch and he's just like ISOing and setting up the defender. And then it's just sidestep getting into it. I'm just like, what did the defender do to send that trigger to your brain? That sidestep is the play there. And like, we can like laugh it off and but stuff like, he is very much new to this on the ball. And I think it yeah. really shows through his counters and processing. It's like basketball. I listen to such a good podcast. I mean, or do you guys listen to uh, uh, B-Ball Immersion with Chris Oliver? No, but I, I am now. Thank you. Yeah. Incredible <laughs> podcast. Asking for a new one. Okay. Thank In, you. Incredible podcast where he um had an NBA trainer on a guy by the name of Noah LaRoche. And Noah's training is very process and decision-making and cognitive-based. And basically what he means is like, I'm, the goal of my job as a trainer is to architect a game-like situation where my players are forced to make the right or wrong decision. And the decision is that I'm on your hip and I cut you off. Then you get to your step back. I'm on your hip. You feel that space, get to a hop step, cut me off and then go lay the ball up. Like just simple bang, bang plays and just trying to rep out decisions as much as you're trying to rep out footwork or spot shooting and all that. And like, I need to send shade into Noah for like four months because I just need him to start feeling things out. And I love how experimental he is. And the footwork stuff is super there. Like if you were to do block training with shade in, you're just like, we're doing 10 of these. Like you're going to take one dribble. You're going to step back. I'd be like, yo, this kid is incredible. But the problems arise when he's forced to pick between these counters and like oftentimes than like more times than I would like, he ends up picking the wrong one and it looks like a settle. And then, People like I've spoken to people just like, oh, he settles too much. I'm just like, yeah, he settles, but like, I just don't think he knows better. Like, he doesn't know that that's not the right play or that's not the right move and that's not the right counter. So, that's what I would have loved to see. And that's such such a fascinating aspect of how an NBA team is going to go about that. We talked about it. I'd say I'd probably put him in the NBA. I don't know. It's big. Like, is, is there part of me that wants to put him in the G League and just like slow play this thing as long as I can? yeah like that's real and i just think those are much more where the issues lie just making the right read and actually understanding what the defense is giving with them giving him and then moving on it and, and because i know you guys are both laughing at those like sidestep iso clips because we're just like we're all sitting there it's like no one there is no reaction from the defense that forced you into this move and that's the unnecessary stuff for me like that is easy fat to cut out yeah and i i think one of the most important things that you said during that was that it's really obvious that he's new to this. And when you, when you, you know, juxtapose that dream city film next to his you play film, it's like, okay, these are two very different players. And what you're doing over here with you play, you did very little, if any of with dream city. So, you know, it kind of goes back to where that, what we're, what I said earlier about his space creation, where I'm encouraged by it. I think there's a good foundation for it there, but it's not, it looks new to him. It looks like he goes into, like you said, every kind of attack where, okay, I'm going to, you know, go between my legs twice and hit that sidestep left pull up three. And even if the defender's shading him the opposite direction, he's going into that. And I think we also see that kind of lack of processing speed. Um, if we want to call it that uh, when he drives, because it's all straight line and yeah, there's the occasional behind the back to kind of counter a guy's momentum, but 
it's all straight line. It, he really gets thrown off by those rotations and contact at the rim when he gets walled off. So that's why I, I really kind of want to see him almost in that more of an off ball role early with the occasional flashes and stretches of, you know, here's a ball go to work. Um, because I just think he's so limited and has such a lot of blinders on when he yeah. is on ball that it's going to, it could be really rough going against NBA defenses right away. Yeah. And I think so a bunch, a bunch of me and a bunch of my friends were watching the Mavericks play the other night and Luca was just doing classic Luca stuff, like lulling guys to sleep, change of speeds, mastering angles, you know, the deal, like we can nerd out about this all day. And one of my friends who like is really into basketball and really knows what he's talking about turning. He's like, Luca makes no sense. This shit shouldn't work. Like, how does this work? And I was just like, it's crazy. Like, it's it really is crazy. And my a piece I wrote last summer, like, I don't think I'll ever write something that I'll like more than this, was talking about, like, the value of paint touches. And one of the sections mm-hmm. of it was emphasizing the variation in, in how you get into the paint and why that's so necessary and why you can't just spam RT and do straight line burst or you'll look like Jane Ivey early in the year at times. Um, and my thing with Shaden is I need him to figure out how he's going to win on the ball. And, and I don't think he's quite figured that out yet. You have these different type of prospects where it's someone like Luca, where he is not fast. He is not even quick, but he is just an absolute genius at knowing when to change spades, the speeds, knowing where to read the space, knowing when to go. SGA, same thing. These guys aren't the world's best athletes. And then you have someone like John Moran, who is one of the world's best athletes and will hesitate for a second and then explode. Like Scoot Henderson, as an 18-year-old playing a G League night, got into the paint whenever he wanted. He knows how to win at the point of attack. And I think that's one of my biggest things with Shaden. Are you going to get seasoned with your change of pace? Are you going to learn? Like Shaden really should be spamming high hands. Like you're coming here. I think we have a stream, so thank God people can see me if you're watching on the stream. This is we have video and audio now. <laughs> like Shaden's coming into the shot, one, two, raise up, shoulders, hands, and then play out of that. Like that's a real defenses act out of fear. My great friend and colleague PD Webb writes that all the time. Defenses act out of fear. And I'm terrified of Shaden shooting a pull-up. It's it's damn good at them. So play through that. And that was the thing I kept wanting more of was him to be like to understand what's truly at his disposal and to leverage it into creating advantages. And more times than not, it was ISO standstill, break you down with four moves. I'm like, that's not your game, dude. Like your handle is not totally there. Your burst isn't totally there, but you know what you could do. You could make someone think you're going to pull up and then go that like now we're talking and working with something. So I don't know the best way. Like I'm not qualified enough to say the best way to do that. Again, I want to send him to Noah and Noah can, create our offensive superstar but that's probably we I, it just came to me honestly we were saying like the one thing that i would really want him to improve on it's that like learning how to win at the point of attack and learning how to win as a handler would, would be my biggest thing and even just an occasional snake dribble uh, out of yeah, pick and roll we'd never see a, a hesitation like sure if you want to keep all of your drives as a to b okay can we throw in a quick rest stop instead of just taking the highway all the way there let's take the scenic route every now and then it's <laughs> just his like his, his offensive process and it's all just a to b it's like let let's yeah. string a few more spots on the floor here rucker did, did any of that really stand out to you as well when you were watching yeah, I think, you know, what's so fascinating to me is, is um, some a good developmental staff is going to show him a treasure chest of 
like counters and stuff that he probably doesn't even know exist. And, and that's where a, a real monster will come to the surface because like, I, t- I kind of tie it into like, you see the, with the playmaking upside, it's almost like reactionary. Like he understands yeah. where to go with the ball, where the hole is in the defense. So then like he, he reacts to the defense and makes the right pass, gets an easy bucket for his teammate. I don't think he's reactionary offensively with the ball in his hands, like as a dribbler, like as a creator. I think he's the, like we're hinting, he's predetermined what he wants to do. So that's also why Luca's so awesome is because he can react to everything you're going to try to do to stop him. And he has a counter for every single thing. Now he's probably never going to get to Luca's level because Luca is a freak of nature with the ball in his hands, but he's been doing it overseas since he was damn 15 years old against grown men. Um, but like if Shaden could get to that point where it's like, you know, make a mistake, like do something and I'm going to have a counter to it. And then I can get to my mid range or get in the paint and, um, get around the basket. That's where he's just going to really become scary. And, and I think he's got to get to that point. But a good trainer like Jake saying or a good developmental staff is going to be like, let's open up Pandora's box and let you run wild because now you're going to have all of these in-game adjustments with the ball in your hand and that'll make you that much more dangerous. So it's just, just one of these it's, raw tools, you know? Go ahead, Jake. And no, no, it's ironic. It, it's as ironic as it gets is I'm just like, you know what also is a great platform for that? Live game reps. You know what you get in college? <laughs> 30 of them. And like yes. that would just be awesome because – and yes. this is something um, – good friend Zach Miller sent out a tweet the other day, and I would I sent him and I was like, thank you. Like I've low-key been screaming from the rooftops that Jaden Ivey's in-season development has been absolutely wild. Like you look at his stuff now and you look at the guy in November, they are not the same person. The snake dribbles into mid-range pull-ups, the pace, the craft – it's he, the in-season strides he has made are ridiculously impressive and like i implore more people to just like check back to what we were initially working with where he just gets into the middle hash jumps off two feet throws his body into someone and like hopes he finishes to now what we're working with which is just an absolute monster and i don't know how you guard him at, in college basketball and like if this continues another potential offensive stud and i just would have loved to see the, that ball be in Shaden's court and at least we can try to see it um because I don't know how easy that like obviously the NBA when you talk to these you, you hear interviews and podcasts of people and say what's the biggest adjustment in the NBA like, the speed it, it's just everything moves so much faster it's probably not great for someone who's <laughs> looking for a developmental playground I don't know right, that's why right. the G League you know that's why the G League exists uh, so which, it wouldn't surprise me uh, going back to our like conversation we had in the middle of the show if the team would elect to do that. But I was talking to a scouting friend. I was just like, this is a ridiculously hard evaluation because like his, what he has put together on film is insanely impressive. The shot making, the vertical explosion, the playmaking flashes when the defense collapsed on him. This is not stuff you take for granted. Like this is top five stuff, but then this, the other stuff, is hard it's hard to improve on and um, the defense is the defense like he's atrocious there and will likely be atrocious for the first couple of years of his career it's just like there's no way around yeah. it but the process the on-ball stuff the pick and roll pace learning where to pick your spots that's the hard stuff where you really just make step-by-step progress game after game and again we saw Jalen green make the, that in the nba level this year Jalen green also came out of the g league 
stunning and and looked like a seasoned vet with Ignite and was snaking ball screens into pull-ups at the top of the key, getting to spots in the mid-range, learning how to like bend super, super low and get to the rim. So he's already put that together at like a step up. Like we're, we're working with EYBL, man. Like this is tough. And I love EYBL more than anything. This is how I got started. All this is AAU. And I think it's a very valuable sample, but boy, is it one tough translation to project this type of player extrapolating like like with this 12 game sample this is shorter eybl sample than usual extrapolating this 12 game sample across two levels for a nuclear shooting athletic combo like that that's probably as difficult as an evaluation as you can get yeah and i think it's a real testament to i i know i'm guilty of this as many others are but when we look at a prospect and it's like oh well if he just practices for two years you know in the nba he, he can he can develop into an on-ball guy it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult than that like you, you don't yeah. just oh yeah. let, let, let me go in this empty gym and wrap out a bunch of counters and then wait why did the <laughs> defender do that instead of this and i i, I do worry about i or not worry but i i hate when these young guys miss significant on-ball live reps and you know, completely different players and situations, and obviously, but time, I worry about this. General, like, general reps, yeah. by the way, not yeah. like that. And that's the thing for me, just time in general. I missed a lot of live time. Yeah. So I, I just to kind of piggyback off that, do you have any concerns or worries that that, that it could be like a two steps back situation for him oh, right, for absolutely. next time we see him? Absolutely. And I, and I just don't think the closest thing, like, a tragedy this is the closest thing that we have to someone just not playing basketball for nine months is COVID during COVID live yeah. basketball was not being played other than you go to Alabama, you go to Georgia. Yeah. You can find a summer tournament with masks optional in summer 2020, which is some of the, <laughs> one of the wilder basketball games I've ever seen. Um, but a lot for the majority, for the most part, those guys didn't play live game reps for seven to eight months and the high school product when they came back and even into the AAU like was shitty and guys were upset about it but it was the reality of the situation kids hadn't played for a long time and it took a while to get their feet under them so that was moving from high school season soft high school sophomore season to high school junior year or junior year senior year and we just missed that summer of AAU we're talking about someone missing that same block of time. And yes, he's practicing with Kentucky and I would love to see tape of their practice scrimmages or whatever that might look like. I hope he plays the combine. He's obviously not going to play the combine, but just anything that like shows me that this guy is playing in five and five settings or even like three, like just something because like I brought in the COVID scenario because when guy the last time guys got pretty rusty when they didn't play a game for seven months and that's, kind of what we're looking at here so absolutely and the thing with Shaden is I have these concerns and it just makes them so hard because I have no answer for them they're they're unanswerable in a certain way and then you add that to the real basketball stuff but in this in a way the missed time kind of coincides with some of our biggest basketball worries which is the feel as a handler even the feels like a tune defender like learning just making the same rotation over and over again so sometimes hopefully you hope it clicks like it's just really freaking difficult with him. Uh, but I, I'm just so – I can't totally quit what I saw and what I'll continue to see on the UIBL stuff. All right. So first, thank you so much for your time. Um, is there anything with Sharp that we didn't cover? Anything that I was too ignorant to even ask or break <laughs> up? 
No, I mean, I think it's it's been a while since I spent like an entire pod talking about one guy. So I think I'm all like shaded and sharked <laughs> out right now. Yeah, we'll I, I the think, max. Yeah, Perfect. I think we kind of covered everything. Um, I'm, I, I'm making do like a quick run through of it. Now. I, I mean, I really think we maxed it all out. I, oh, actually, I, I lied. I lied. I lied. <laughs> See, it, you just have to dive deep. There you go. <laughs> one of my favorite things about him. He actually tries to dunk on everyone. And it was my oh, yeah. since the first time that I watched him, I was just like, dude, you are crazy. Like I like I know you're a vertical athlete, but not every vertical athlete is wired like that to like the first time I saw him was against Team Final, not in the UIBL. They played in like a warm-up event um locally. And the first thing I saw from him was he tried to dunk on Derek Lively. And I was like, yo, <laughs> like you're out of your mind and I love it. And this yeah. is something I wrote like 300 words on in my scoop piece, just about like loving smaller guards who just don't give a shit how tall you are and how long you are. Like Jod trying to dunk on Rudy Gobert in the playoffs was like my favorite thing. I, I That was literally my favorite clip that ever has resulted in zero points. Like I love that. And sh- and like Shaden embodies that. that. I was going to so, kind of parlay that into your guys' last segment, but I had to give him a quick individual shout out. <laughs> Well, you, you did the segue for me. So I, as we end every episode, what's the best thing you've seen recently in the basketball world? So I'm, I'm going to go somewhere different, actually, because I Please. just – Yes. yes. Um, kind of going, going into the old episode, nuclear pull-up shooting in March Madness. Like, that is fun. There's nothing better to me. Like, a big-time – I don't know why. Like, obviously, a dunk is crazy. But, like, a big-time pull-up three is just so electric to me. And, like, Caleb Love – all, all pull like RJ Davis, big time shots or big time shots. Like that North Carolina team kind of fueled me with a ton of adrenaline because everything was just so loud with them. Like it was a loud Brady Manic three. It was a loud Caleb Love or RJ. Like Leaky does some leaky stuff that I love. And they were just a ton of fun. So I actually, the best thing I saw would be that North Carolina team fueled by their affinity to make ridiculous pull threes. Rucker, how about you? I'm getting a little out there with my answer, too, because I had a good one um, on Tuesday, Metcalf, when you decided that you had to be too cool to not do the podcast. But that's um, exactly what happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been trying to like regroup and and not, you know, be too obsessed with basketball when it comes to the draft grind. But miraculously, I uh, stumbled upon the ESPN 30 for 30 on the Lakers and Celtics that I've watched 900 times. And Cedric Maxwell still saying that if a Laker player was on fire and he had a glass of water, that he would drink <laughs> the water is like one of my favorite quotes of all time. So, yeah, I had I had to drop that one in. But Metcalf, you what about you? Seeing you uh, always throw the questions at us, uh, I'm I'm gonna be boring um, and just go off the the national championship performances first destiny henderson with south carolina dropping a career high not a bad time to do that in the national championship game and then my sweet prince ochag baji winning that uh tournament or most outstanding player of the tournament and, and getting that ring um but jake thank you so much for did your he, time this is wait sorry, did, go ahead. Did, did he deserve the most that, 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 that's not what that doesn't matter did he, 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 but he got did he it, deserve so. it Okay. Christian Braun right. had 12 and 12. Come on. <laughs> That's all I need to hear. That's yeah. all I need to hear. Yeah. No. no. There. I said it. I'm on record. But... <laughs> <sighs> God, see, I, I should have booted you already. But uh, J- Jake, Jake, thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. Please plug away. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can support you. 
Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, so you can find me, as they mentioned, in the beginning of the podcast uh, on Twitter, at Jake in the Paint. It's probably the most easily accessible way to reach me. Spend way too much time on that damn app. So DM <laughs> me if you want to talk basketball. Uh, reply to tweets. I'm posting clips, talking basketball for a lot of the day. Uh, so definitely there. I write for the Stepian. I've written a couple of pieces about this class, uh, most recently about Chet Holmgren and kind of his offensive projection, the ways you could use him uh, in spite of his frame, in case you heard he's skinny. And what? then I also am doing some work for Cerebro Sports. Uh, we've la- we just relaunched our blog uh, with AAU season, grassroots season coming up. That's Things are going to get pretty hectic over there. Uh, we should have a Geico roundtable recap coming up in a couple of days. Uh, live period one is this weekend. So I'll be watching some AAU basketball. And yeah, just stay up with that. And oh, tag the roll. I can forget. Mark and I, Mark Schindler and I do, um, I like to think uh, an insightful draft podcast once a week. Uh, we have a, it's one of the highlights on the week. Mark and I have an awesome time doing it. So it's at tag the roll on Twitter, avail- available on all your podcast platforms. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't use Apple, but Spotify people, it's available for you too. Uh, so that's where you can find me. And thank you guys for having me. As you can tell, I like talking basketball. So it's fun. fun. Yes, sir. Rucker, please plug away. I'm at No Ceilings NBA, and, and I'm all over Twitter, too. Like Jake said, um, I spend way too much time on that damn app as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm at, I'm at Backcourt V, and um, for everyone listening, like, yes, please make sure you follow Jake and read his stuff. He does some exceptional work, and uh, thanks for coming on, Jake. This was an absolute blast. I'm glad we got you on here. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. Once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at TeamMetcalf11, and – like Rucker mentioned, you can find all of our written work on noceilingsnba.com. Please make sure to subscribe. It's 100% free. It gets delivered directly to your inbox once it's published. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba, and subs- please subscribe to us on YouTube at no Ceilings TV. We've got a lot of really cool stuff coming out over there. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and five-star rating. Till next time, see you